The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLaRente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not much. It feels like an eternity since we've been doing this, so it's good to be back. Let's get it. All right. First of all, Know the Score is a part of the CSPN. You can find the CSPN on the web at www.cspn.us. You can also subscribe and download Know the Score through iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and YouTube. All right, Dwayne, we've went through the finals, and now the next stage of the NBA season is free agency. Didn't take long for the big dominoes to drop as... Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both signed free agent deals with the Brooklyn Nets. Jimmy Butler, he's moving on to the Miami Heat from the Philadelphia 76ers in a sign and trade. Al Horford, he leaves your Celtics, and now he's headed to Philly to join MB and Ben Simmons. That hurt. Kemba Walker doesn't get the Supermax from the Hornets. And so now he's signing with the Boston Celtics. Woo! And a shocking move to me, Malcolm Brogdon. He's going from the Bucks to the Pacers. D'Angelo Russell with Kyrie Irving's move. He now becomes a, a free agent. And he's set to become a Golden State Warrior. The Ooh. Lakers. They signed DeMarcus Cousins to a one-year deal. And finally, the big joker finally dropped as Kawhi Leonard said that he's going to sign with the L.A. Clippers. And he's bringing Paul George with him as Paul George was traded by the Thunder to the Clippers for record number of draft picks. So, Wayne, we'll start with the big joker, Kawhi Leonard. Yes. He was the last big fish on the market. He took his time. He listened to everybody's various pitches. Mm-hmm. And the Clippers won the sweepstakes, but he had a trick up his sleeve. Nobody yeah. saw this Paul George thing coming. So your assessment of the L.A. Clippers, Doc Rivers, Jerry West, they found a way to dim the Lakers spotlight. And in a way, it's a beautiful thing from a rival's perspective, and it keeps the Clippers relevant because we we as soon as you see LeBron and Anthony Davis 
you know, that big deal, you're now thinking, okay, the Lakers are going to take over L.A., but the Clippers really just said not so fast. And like you said, the spotlight was dimmed on on the Lakers, and this was Kawhi just simply wanting to go home. I don't think it was anything bad about Toronto, anything bad about Canada. You get to play your prime years of your career in your hometown, and you get to do it on basically your team. And then you bring someone pretty much you've known in the same who's from the same area who's who really did commit to OKC, but he did find you know Oklahoma City was in the situation where they have the supermax of Russell Westbrook. You have a pretty much a max deal with Paul George. You have a near max deal with Stephen Adams. So they were in Lowe's recap space prison and. I think even if there was any way to keep the rap, keep the uh, thunder, uh, that core together, it was not going to happen. I think the the way Kawhi was able to recruit Paul George and the way Paul George was able to get out of that, get out of Oklahoma City, nothing against Westbrook, nothing against, nothing against. Um, Oklahoma City as a fan base because Paul George genuinely did like Oklahoma City, you know. And then you have the, but the Lord to go home, the Lord to you know take on the challenge in the West, and really have a nice battle for Los Angeles. These four games between the Lakers and Clippers are going to be some epic battles, which will definitely be on national television in all four games. I don't see how they wouldn't be, but it's going to be very, very fun when October comes around and the season begins. Well, what I would like to know about this move is where does it all fit with their lineup and their roster? You see, um, you know, they had a team that made the playoffs. They scrapped and got into the playoffs last year. They had like a really scrappy team. They got, they traded Tobias Harris in the middle of the season. And, um, you know, they found a way to still make it to the playoffs. Got bounced out in six games by the Warriors. So now how does this upset the already chemistry that they have as a team, you know? Because we saw what happened with basically Kyrie Irving and and, and Gordon Hayward coming into the Celtics, um, you know, after they made a run real deep in the playoffs. You know, nothing like the, you know, two different scenarios, but still you're adding two brand new pieces to a team that had pretty good chemistry and looked like they were on an upward trend. I just hope it doesn't take them a year to kind of reset themselves after adding these two pieces. What do you think about that? I think it's. I think unlike the Celtics, I think you have because uh, Kyrie was. I mean, Kyrie's a very mercurial character, so he's very moody as it was, and that was definitely a dynamic that that um, affected the Celtics' chemistry because everything kind of ran through Kyrie. I think with the fact that if you look at 
the defense side of the ball where I always believe that a lot of the chemistry begins on the defensive end and then the offensive flow kind of goes into play from that. I think with that, you got three Jeff, you got three ball hawks basically. You got Leonard, you have you have George and you have Patrick Beverly. Those three if you put those three on the court at the same time, that's gonna be pretty difficult to stop. Then you have then you have uh if you go small you have Harold, Montres Harold to um to uh, anchor the defense and then on if you go a little bigger if uh, Gortat, I don't know if he's re-signed or not with the Clippers, but that would be a nice little piece there as well. So I think with the fact that you have two guys who are from the area who've probably played with each other back in the day, I'm not sure if that's the case or not, but uh, two guys, two Cali kids who played back in the day, I won't say we have to wait and see what happens, of course, but I don't really see it being as bad or having as much of an adverse effect as it did with the Celtics when Irving was returning and then that affected the chemistry issues. Irving and Hayward affected the chemistry issues with with, um, the rest of the team. But that's the beauty of you know speculation and free agency just got to wait and see what happens and go from there this changes the dynamic greatly towards the west i guess that's the reason why they've been having all those earthquakes out in california (laughs) this weekend is because it's just like the nba scales of justice is just tilted towards the west now with all the star power uh, in L.A. just in general. Um, So now talk about how just that uh, Pacific Conference itself with the Lakers and Golden State and the Clippers is going to look. It's going to be – it's a three-team – it's a three-team race in that Pacific Division because, I mean – the Kings aren't going anywhere. The Suns definitely aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So it's a three-team race. And I think the Warriors, who have been dominant, they won't be as dominant this go-around. Uh, you know, yes, Clay is back with the Max. Uh, Draymond will be likely next uh, to see what happens with his free agency. Then you have... Then you have um, the Lakers with uh, LeBron and Davis with all the pieces they've added around, DeMarcus Cousins, JaVale McGee, Danny Green, uh, and those guys. And then you have the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, Ronnie Magruder, Harrell, and those guys as well. So Pat Beverly, Lou Williams. So it's going to be a wild you know, we always say Wild Wild West. This is definitely going to be the epitome of that situation. All right. Now let's shift over to the East where Kevin Durant is joining the Eastern Conference. He's teaming up with Kyrie Irving, but we really won't see this duo until probably sometime in 2021. 
So in the meantime, Al Horford joined the 76ers. A lot of people are giving the 76ers the inside track on winning the Eastern Conference. How do you size up the new look Eastern Conference? And do you agree with a lot of the experts that Philadelphia now should be the favorites to win the Eastern Conference next season? I agree with it to an extent. The only problem I have with the Sixers is who's going to bring the ball up the court? I mean, yeah, you got Ben Simmons and you got a lot of you got a lot of three-point shooting big men. So there's going to be a lot of floor spacing and you know, you literally have like four huge deals, so a lot of plenty of space there that was it that enabled them to sign these um these deals uh you know my only concern with the sixers is that if they play defense can teams go use their quickness a lot more because i mean they're going to be imposing on the inside i mean we'll see a set to see how brett brown rotates these guys. That's really what it's going to boil down to. Brett Brown can rotate these guys to to an extent. But if you look at it, I mean, they're loaded. You know, getting Al Horford, who's really, like, I call the glue guy in Boston. He's going to be the glue guy in Philadelphia. And, you know, he's going to really be able to be a good, good, um, mentor in a sense to Embiid and Simmons and and to a sense about Harris. So uh you know the only thing I'm sad about with the Sixers is that uh, the brotherhood is the best friendship between Bobin and Tobias is over with since uh Marianovich signed with the Mavericks. And I think the Sixers could have found a way to keep them both together. But I think with that being said the Sixers are the inside track, at least until uh, Durant gets healthy again. And we'll just have to see it, the advert, how effective he is from this Achilles. Uh, will he be when he gets back? And then, you know, Boston looked like they were going to be big time losers in free agency. But, you know, they stemmed the to- course by signing Kemba Walker and, and then also um, picking up Ennis Cancer as well. So you got a good, you have a pretty good, pretty good lineup there in Boston as well with the young guys, as well as uh, Walker and Cantor entering the fold as well. So not just the so the Atlanta division in the East will be very good as well. Um, can't wait to see the return of Kyrie to Boston. I know that's going to be very intense when the garden rains booze down on him pretty much after all the things he said at the start of the season and then this happening. So Next, we'll talk about Kimber Walker. He's moving on from the Hornets to sign with your Boston Celtics. Terry Rozier, in the meantime, is moving from the Celtics to the Hornets. So who do you feel gets the best of basically this swap in free agency? Minus, you know, the Hornets getting a cheaper point guard option than they would have if they signed Kemba Walker to the Supermax or anything close. 
Well, the Hornets did lowball Kimball Walker pretty much from what I read. And, um, you know, but considering their financial situation with all the bad contracts that were that were signed on, it was really kind of hard to even try to keep Kimba at the near max deal. So uh, I think the Celtics get a – I think who has the better advantage, I'll say the Celtics because they do have – they do have an all star. They do have some. They do have a guy who's familiar with New England, being that uh, Kemba. I uh, did play at UConn, so um, you know it's not going to be too big of an adjustment. I think the probably the biggest adjustment for Kemba will be that he's in a in a more winning environment, which he's going to thrive in. And I think that for the Celtics, the best years are yet to come. And I was having uh, kind of a debate or whatever you want to call it with a friend of mine as well about uh, Rozier. I think, you know, I mean, the most friend of mine really kind of was down on Rozier thinking that it'd be Lance Stevenson 2.0. But I think with the way... We've seen Terry Rozier thrive in the 17 playoffs with, um, well, not 17, 18 playoffs uh, last year. And I think he's just looking for that opportunity to be a starter. And I think he's going to take full advantage of being the starter. And as of right now, being the focal point of the offense because there's really not that much around him. But I think that if he can improve his field goal shooting, if he can improve his field goal shooting, kind of like what Kemba did in Charlotte, I think you're literally going to get a great player. And in Rozier, I think that he has the will to do it. He has the capability to do it. I think it was a good move for the Hornets to get him. So... I think both teams kind of made out well if you want to compare like individually, but from a team standpoint, obviously the Celtics have the advantage. Malcolm Brogdon, he moved on from the Bucks to the Pacers in a surprise move, like I said earlier. Um, does this mean that the Pacers now are a top three team in the East? Uh, it depends on the health of Oladipo, really, especially with uh, Darren Collison retiring, that's going to be, uh, I think that's a good move for the Pacers. And I think that, I think that they have the chance to, you know, be a, be a top team in the East, be a top three team. I think that you have the Sixers at the top, obviously, and, um, you know, if Durant was healthy, I think the Nets would be up there, uh, obviously. And then I think between Boston and Indiana, that would kind of be like 3A, 3B. So, yeah, I think the Pacers have made some great moves to uh, still be a major player in the Eastern Conference, absolutely. And finally, we'll talk about Jimmy Butler. What impact do you think that he can make to 
Miami Heat team that has a lot of young players down there in Miami. Um, do you think that he can elevate them into some form of contention, or does he still need another player or two to help him out down there before Miami's ready to be in this conversation? He's going to need another player or two. I, I honestly think that this is probably going to be Minnesota 2.0 in this situation, only because that, only because that, um, and he's doing this with. I mean, if he had the issues he had in Minnesota with, with um, Wiggins, Towns and Wiggins, Towns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. If he had those issues with those guys, I don't know what he's gonna do. Especially with Hassan Whiteside gone. I mean he did have a he did have a couple stars, uh, Whiteside and Dragic, but Dragic went to Dallas and Whiteside got traded to Portland, so uh, there's really nobody there to kind of uh be a complimentary or supplementary piece for him. And so, yeah, Jimmy Butler's going to still need some help here in Miami before the Heat can really be uh, bigger players down the road. We'll move on from the free agency news to some summer league talk. And in a wild game that featured an earthquake suspending the game in the fourth quarter, Zion Williamson of the Pelicans injured his knee in a game against the New York Knicks and his best friend, R.J. Barrett. It's being reported as a knee bruise as he collided knees uh, with someone from the Knicks. But it's not a good sign when, you know, he's already getting nicked up from, you know, injuries and things like that Per being cautious, he's being held out of the rest of the summer league games. So if you didn't see the game Friday night before halftime, then that's the only glimpse you're going to get of Zion this summer. Are you concerned that Zion may be injury prone? Slightly. Um, yeah, there there is a. It raises an eyebrow. I'll put it like that. That's the best way to describe it. It raises an eyebrow about how healthy he can be. Can he do this for 82 games in a season? Uh, does he have the? Does he have the? Um, you know, physical. I mean, we know he's a physical specimen, but can he handle injuries and things of that sort? Um, so yeah, it does raise an eyebrow on on how well he can hold up injury wise, but I think it's a good move by New Orleans to sit him out, you know, for the rest of the summer. It does kind of it does suck that you know we won't be able to see more of the more of that because that's what people want to see is you know. We want to see Zion, so um, it'll be very. We'll just have to see how things work out in terms of in terms of how his health will hold up, and 
and how the Pelicans handle it going forward. Have you had a chance to check out any of the Summer League games? And if you did, is there anyone that stood out to you? I haven't really had a chance to look at the Summer League like I wanted to, only due to the fact of work. But I have seen, um, I was pretty, from what I have seen, I did like, um, I did like uh, Taco Fall. I did like, I did like a couple of his performances. Um, uh, Dwayne Bacon of the Hornets. I think he could be, he has a 25 point game in the summer league game as well. Um, There's, there's a few, um, I think with all the Kawhi news, it's kind of overshadowed the summer league just a little bit, along with the fact that, you know, there's a lot of less care now that, uh, you know, Zion's shut down for the rest of the summer league. So we only got to see a half of him playing. So um, I haven't got a chance to watch it like I should, but now that I have a little bit more time, we're trying to catch a couple games before the, before it's over with. And I'll ask you one more question before we leave the NBA. Mm-hmm. Do you think Carmelo Anthony will be a part of the LA Lakers next season? If he wants to, if he wants a title, and if he's not worried about the money and takes a veteran's minimum then, yeah, I can see that happening. But if he's still about the dollars and wanting to have the ball at all times, and if his ego gets in the way, then he will still be where he is on a yacht being perceived cheating on Lala. Okay. Uh this is Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. You can find Know the Score on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and YouTube. We'll shift the talk over to Major League Baseball. Start with some sad news as Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs was found dead in his hotel room in Texas. Uh, the team was on the road to start a series with the Rangers. Uh, so the young man, 27 years old, seven-year career in the big leagues. Um, latest stop was with the Angels. Uh, he was starting, I guess, to put some things together here with uh, the Angels. He had won a couple of games in a row. and was kind of on an upswing. And, uh, and it's just an unfortunate incident. We haven't had more come out about cause of death, but... It's always shocking when you hear of a of an active professional athlete passing away, and uh, just catches you by yeah, just catches you by surprise. Just like uh, uh, the young man Fernandez, I can't remember. I want to say it's Alex, but I know it's not right. Uh, Oh, oh, you bought. Yeah, yeah, a couple yeah, Jose Fernandez. Yeah, Jose Fernandez. A couple years ago, you know, he's an active player who uh, that one. Passed away. That one really hurt me. Right, right. So it's just so shocking and and eye opening. So um, just prayers up to his family, his friends, all his teammates, and you never know. You know, this could be something that 
you know, galvanizes the angels and they start playing for a little different purpose. And, you know, they could kind of, they're having an okay season, but they could probably, you know, maybe turn things around, um, you know, due to this, you know, so we'll see what the second half holds for them. But more importantly, we're going to shift over to the New York Mets because folks, the Mets have issues on and off the field. GM Brody Van, how do you say his last name? Van Wagenen? Yeah. He reportedly threw a chair during a meeting with the coaching staff and manager. Uh, He's upset that the Mets have a major league leading 21 blown leads. Their bullpen is obviously one of the worst in baseball. This is the second incident that's being reported coming from the Mets locker room and front office involving their GM and their manager as a reporter was a, was supposedly or allegedly accosted during a media uh, availability. So lucky for this show that we have a Mets fan here available to talk about these things. Uh, do we have to talk about this? Yes, sir. Because this is the biggest story in baseball besides the Yankees going to London and beating the brakes off the Red Sox last week. No, that just adds insult to injury. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and talk about. So, talk about your New York Mets. First, let's talk about the issues on the field. The bullpen <sighs> has been the major uh, problem with the season. Uh, if you had yeah. half as many blown leads as you currently do, you'd probably be about two games over 500. Right now, you're eight games over 500 with one game left to play before the All-Star break. On the bright side, Pete Alonzo has been everything and more that he was advertised to be in the rookie season. He's already broken Dale Strawberry's uh, Mets rookie record for home runs in the season. Looks like 40 is definitely... Uh, a major possibility, even 50, if he continues on the current streak that he's on. So there are some bright spots. But the issues continue to outweigh all of those bright spots. So, Mr. Libra Icon, the floor is yours. It's the bullpen. I mean, where where do I begin with this team? I mean, I've always told... I always tell people that, you know, as a Mets fan, you really got to get, if you can get through June and they're in a good position, then you have a chance. But anytime you get to June and they're in this position, I start looking forward to football season because this team makes me want to drink. And so if we talk about the issues here with, uh, so the reporter incident was when uh, I guess Jason Vargas and Mickey Calloway did not like how did not like um, a prominent Mets reporter's questioning, and they pretty much you know cursed him out, said a lot of different said a lot of uh, choice words and things of that sort, and and. Um, Apparently, the Mets are so fed up with Vargas that they might trade him uh, when the time comes. 
by the trade deadline, he would probably not be a part of the team anymore. Probably Mickey Callaway is still managing this team. Most times he looks clueless. Most times he looks like he doesn't know what to do. And it's just bad. I'm, like, uh, certain, you know, we've seen Jacob DeGrom under Mickey Callaway. So many starts have been wasted by this bullpen. So, my thing is, is it really, is it the bullpen? Is it the pitching coaches? You got rid of the pitching coaches. It's time to, it's falling on the manager now. And, you know, when you look at this roster, you're like, okay, they have really a chance to be something pretty decent, at least a contender, you know, but you get the results that you're getting and, and it's disappointing. And when you get the results that you're getting and you're constantly disappointed, I kind of see why. I can see why the chair was being thrown in the meeting because if you have a lot of, um, a lot of, um, if you're not getting the results that you expect, then hey, Maybe it is time to pull the trigger and let Nicky Callaway go. I don't know who would be a good replacement, but I think I think Nicky Callaway is a good pitching coach. But I don't think I think being the manager of this team, I think he's a little over in over his head on this one. So this team is a mess. And it's really, and then you have Edwin Diaz, who was the game's best closer last year. Wasn't he like the closer, like the shutdown closer in Seattle a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. And he's already, I mean, it's not the fact that he's blown for, he's 19-23 save opportunities, but the way... the way the Mets have blown leads, you would think that it was a lot more than that. Uh, but considering from what he was last year and where he is currently and, and, um, the way that, the way that the Mets have been pretty bad in having leads and then blowing them, you have to wonder if, if it's the pressure of the city is it the pressure of the is it the pressure of the city? Is it the pressure of you know New York? Is it the expectations it came in with? I don't know what's going on. And you know, Jerry Familia, who was the former closer, I don't know if he's been the same since that fifteen World Series when he was a shutdown closer, and then he blew three saves in that World Series. I don't know if that's still in his head or what? I got. I really don't know what's going on. Like I really like it. It just leaves me just shaking my head because this was, you know, this was a team that you know you had. You had a great rotation coming in. They haven't let us. Even Matt has been disappointing. You DFA Travis Darnell 
Uh, like you said, Pete Alonzo's been probably the lone bright spot. You gave the ground contract ascension, he's lived up to his end of the bargain, but the team has not lived up to their end of the bargain. So, I don't know, man. It's disappointing to see. It's disappointing to watch. You know, sometimes it's like watching a train wreck, but at the same time, it's just like, are, are they ever going to get it together? And are they ever going to you know, do what it needs do what they need to do to have everything come together so we so we can actually win games. Next up, we're gonna talk about the MLB All Star game. That's taking place this upcoming Tuesday night. There's gonna be thirty one first time All Stars in this year's game. And the Astros have the most players in the game with six. Uh, this year, the game will be taking place in Cleveland, in Jacobs Field. I think it's the 25th anniversary of Jacobs Field opening, so it'll be cool to celebrate Jacobs Field and the All-Star Game. Baseball is at its halfway point with the All-Star Game, so things will be happening as far as trade deadline, and uh, pennant races will start to be shaping up, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be in the Home Run Derby, so that could be must-see TV for the first time in a long while. They've changed the format to a uh, like a bracket-style format, so the guys are hitting against each other instead of just hitting home runs for the sake of hitting home runs. Uh, and uh, Kristen Yelich is in the game, and uh, a few other more people, uh, Josh Bell. So it should be pretty interesting this year. Very much so, and can't have an all-star without uh, Pete Alonzo. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I haven't watched the Home Run Derby in a long time, but it's going to be fun to see that and, you know, see how this bracket format goes. And then the all-star game is going to be pretty interesting with everybody there for the first time. And and it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Another score is being brought to you by Amazon.com. Go to our website, CSPN.us. Click on the Keep Our Podcast free at the top of the page. After you click that tab, go down to Amazon. Do your shopping as you normally would. Some of your purchase will come back to the CSPN to help keep another score free each and every week. So do your shopping through Amazon.com, but first go through CSPN.us, click on the tab that says keep our podcast free and help support your favorite podcast. Last topic of this week's show the NFL. Former NFL quarterback Jared Lorenzen, he passed away this week. Dolphins defensive tackle Kendrick Norton had his arm amputated after car accident in Miami and Zeke Elliott will not be suspended by the league after he was briefly detained during a music festival in May. So we'll touch on Jared Lorenzen first. The hefty lefty is the man, res- the man responsible for putting modern Kentucky football on the map in the late 90s. Uh, known for being bigger than some of his offensive linemen as the quarterback. 
but he was nimble and graceful and he could throw the football and he got an NFL career out of it. Uh, several teams. He was on the Giants, most notably, and the Patriots as well. Some thoughts, Dwayne, yeah. t- that you have about Jared Lorenzen uh, in memory of him passing away this week. Yeah, I think that was, I think he was probably one of the most interesting personalities that came across the NFL. And I was definitely a huge fan of him, you know, because I'm like, why is this, I'm like, he's a lineman, why is he playing quarterback? But he was really good. He was, you know, like I said, he put modern Kentucky football on the map and you know, he put he made it relevant and he did get a he did get a Super Bowl ring out of it with the Giants backing up Eli Manning and you know, it was really sad, you know, when we when I did um kinda read that story about how he got the five hundred pounds but he was, you know, doing what it took to, you know, get healthy again and and I I don't know what happened after after that. But, you know, that's thing you know, he's, you know, he passed away. But a uh, very, very, very interesting personality. And, you know, he, he definitely defied logic and, you know, what a quarterback should look like, how he's not they should play. And, you know, that's one thing I'm very appreciative of. I was able to witness that. Kendrick Norton uh, was actually drafted by the Panthers, late round draft pick. Um, just an unfortunate incident um, with the young man um, got into a bad accident, car accident in Miami. And as a result, uh, he had to lose an arm. So, um, you know, hate to see things like this happen to such a young player who hasn't really had a chance to establish himself. Um, hopefully the Dolphins can, um, you know, keep him on the payroll for this year. Maybe they can make him a, a coach or something like that because I don't think there's a limit to how many coaches you can have and what you can pay coaches. Yeah. So maybe they can find a way to, you know, keep him on uh, through the contract as, you know, a coach or, you know, quality control or something, but keep him around the team and, and, and help keep him involved just because I know he's going to need a lot of, of support and and a lot of people on his side to help keep his spirits up after you know such a a tragedy happening. Exactly, you know, you definitely want to keep the morale, keep that, because you know that's all you know. That's all you know since you were young, and you know for this to happen, especially him only being twenty two, you know, it's definitely life altering. And hopefully, like you said, I do hope that the Dolphins can do something to, you know, you know, make sure his his um, spirits are in good in a good place versus you know going to a dark place, mm-hmm. knowing that your NFL career is over and things of that sort. Um, just off the subject, uh, breaking. News: The U.S. Women's National Team won the Women's World Cup for the second time in a row. Beat the Netherlands two to nothing. Yeah, congratulations to them in the game of football. 
and uh, Zeke Elliott Cowboys fans, he won't be missing any time this year as the league determined that he didn't do anything worthy of violating the personal conduct policy. So Zeke Elliott, so far so good for the start of the season for the Cowboys. As a Redskin fan, in my heart, I feel like it's only a matter of time. <laughs> we still got about, what, six weeks before he gets into training camp. He's liable to do something stupid between now and then. Still waters run deep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's this week's topics on Know the Score. I'm going to turn it over to Dwayne for his final thoughts and the shout outs for this week. All right. Let's see. What do I have today? Um, shout outs. Uh, shout outs to the CSPN. Thank you, Don, for having me as always. I want to shout out um, family, friends, foes. Still love y'all too. Um, power, positivity, all the way. Uh, let's see. Um, do I have any final thoughts this week? Yeah, let's let's talk about um, let's talk about the emergence of though the reemergence of sticking with the footy ball here. Uh, the U.S. men's national team, uh, you know, after the debacle of several uh, debacle in Trinidad when they lost. And then even qualify for the next World Cup. Uh, they're looking like a different team now in this Gold Cup, and and uh, they play Mexico today for the Concacaf Gold Cup title. So hopefully we will see um, we will see the U.S. Um, you know. Kind of do a clean sweep today with the women's win the World Cup, the men's win the Gold Cup. Um, I know they played at Nissan Stadium in Nashville the other night against Jamaica and won. So, uh, of course, we get to play our old friends and neighbors to the south. So, let's just hope we can get a win and, you know, go ahead, go on ahead, Stars and Stripes. Let's go. Are we playing in Mexico? That's a good question. Because um, you know we, we're, we've never won in Mexico. We've never won in Mexico. That is true. So uh, let me, I'm actually trying to pull that up right now. And can we also talk about how the, how the um, women really kind of just breeze? That first game against Thailand was just disrespectful. Wasn't it like thirteen it to thirteen to one or something like that? Yeah, I've never seen anything like that ever. Well, I mean, it just adds more fuel to the fire that they're the true national team and they need to be compensated as such. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, I am not finding. Yeah, I'm not finding that. Right. If I find it before we get off the air after your final thought, then um, I'll let you know. My final thought is going to go out to Coco Golf. 
Who is that, you may ask? Oh, she's only 15 years old, and she had to play one of her childhood heroes, Venus Williams, in the first round in Wimbledon. And she beat her. And the upsets have continued. As she's advanced all the way to the third round, she's going to play tomorrow. And she is the talk of the tournament. She's getting, you know, praise and shouts out from all the stars on the tour. And for a 15-year-old kid, this has got to be the best summer ever. So I hope that she can keep going and going and going. She's maybe the next young player of color on the tour to join Sloane Stevens and uh, Naomi Osaka. So, you know, there's a nice number of young, talented black female tennis players right now on the scene. And I'm wishing her the best of luck. And hopefully, you know, this doesn't become too much too fast. She's so young. Tennis has a way of burning out really good players, especially women players at a young age. So hopefully, you know, this doesn't happen to her. But this has been the best, you know, 10 days of her career so far. And uh, hopefully she can keep going and make it some more noise. Uh, absolutely. That's pretty awesome. Oh, so, yes. I did find the match will be in Chicago at Soldier Field. Oh, well, then the United States has a pretty decent chance of at least going to penalty kicks. There we go. So for the Libra icon, Dwayne, I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.